Well, hello everybody and welcome. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder and chief synergy officer for We Did It That Health. And I am so excited to have you here with us. And we have a couple very special guests today. So, so welcome. And for those of you who aren't familiar with our work, We Did It That Health, our mission is to empower grassroots ambassadors, people already living a plant-based vegan lifestyle to empower grassroots ambassadors to be more effective, inspiring hope and curiosity with our friends and loved ones so they too can change their lifestyle and enjoy all the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle, the benefits that are about our health, the environment, animal compassion, and even world hunger. So with that, this month is our babies, children, and families month. And our focus all month has been about children and, and families. And uh, next month, it's going to be about physical training and strength and, and showing all the benefits of being plant-based and how to inspire our friends and loved ones. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, like us on Facebook and join us on LinkedIn and all the other social media uh, places that we have. And visit us at We Did It That Health and our scoreboard at scoreboard.wedidit.health. So with that, it gives me great pleasure to welcome a couple ladies who, who are doing such a wonderful job inspiring the world and actually helping move forward to a, a, a whole food plant-based lifestyle and supporting children because our children are so very important. And, and I look forward to them telling you more about their work and how you can plant seeds on behalf of their efforts and with, with all their resources. So we have with us Carrie Bruno and Carrie is a, a pharmacy doctor, a farm D who after decades of practicing pharmacy, uh, she embarked on a life-changing journey into the world of plant-based nutrition. Now, we also have with us Merle Fury, and together they have uh, founded the Six Million Seeds Project under the plant-based nutrition movement. So Merle is a master's nurse, so she has a master's degree in nursing, an RN and an MS, and she is CEO of Plant-Based Nutrition Movement. Uh, together, they're both certified, they're each certified with T. Colin Campbell's Center for Nutritional Studies, and Merle is also certified with Forks Over Knives Plant-Based Cuisine. And she is now a sought-after speaker, and we are so appreciative to having them both. They're sought-after speakers for food, for lifestyle, and, and those benefits. So with that, here they are, and welcome, ladies. Hello. Hey. <laughs> nice to be here, Peter. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. 
Well, thank you for being here. And, and I love, I love your mission and I love the work you're doing. And so many other people in our community are, are so excited for what, what you're contributing to make this a better world. So would, would you please take a couple minutes and tell us about the six million seeds project and, uh, and, and the, the, the successes you're achieving, the, the initiatives that you have in, in process. Sure. You want to take that? Go ahead. Okay. Well, we'll start with, thanks again for having us. Mm -hmm. This is our studio. You can see our (laughs) Six Million Seeds back there. Six Million Seeds is a project that focuses completely on child nutrition. We are of the belief and act like every day that if we could teach our children how to eat healthy foods, that they could take that message back home to their parents and begin to ask for healthy foods for meals instead of asking for things that are like, you know, likely to make them ill over time. So for example, if wouldn't it be something if children came home and asked for a salad or herbal tea or a hummus wrap, as opposed to asking for a McDonald's, you know, or chicken nuggets type things. Six million seeds is actually, it has a meaning the six is the stands for the six plant-based food groups. So it's fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, legumes, whole grains, and mushrooms. SEEDS is an acronym that stands for Students Educated in Environment, Diet, and Sustainability. And million is just the smallest power of 10 we can have because we need millions, <laughs> probably billions of kids to get this message and bring it home to their parents. Uh, we work in schools. We work with boys and girls clubs. We work with faith-based organizations. Anywhere we can work with a group of children in an educational setting primarily and teach them about what whole food plant-based eating is, why it's a good idea to eat the rainbow, red and orange and yellow and green and blue foods. Um, We also work with local community gardeners and get the gardeners to teach Mm -hmm. the kids about planting and growing the food. We are in Wisconsin, so the growing season is short, sadly, but we'll work with kids over the summer with the gardeners to get them to grow food. And then whatever they grow, we will teach them how to put into a meal, either how to cook it or how to prepare it or how to eat it raw, how to eat it in a sandwich, um, how to make a salad, things like that. Another part of the project is actually the project has three parts. So the one part is working directly with children. The second part is that we have a podcast, which is called Growing a Healthy Child. That publishes every two weeks, and that is the same message put different ways, and mostly for adults. So we talk to adults who have something valuable to contribute about the importance of children eating fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, grains, you understand. Mm -hmm. We talk with medical providers, researchers, artists, organic farmers, um, anybody who can deliver that message in so many different ways. And then the third part of the project is working to build a coalition of like-minded organizations because we are fully aware that this is way too big of a job to do alone. Everybody has to work together and um, put, I'm going to say, past frustrations and perhaps grudges behind ourselves. (laughs) Let that stuff go and really start working for the future of our children and for our planet. You know, one of the things I I could go on and talk about this a long time, but one thing I will say, 
Um, <laughs> in the last six years, the CDC has decreased our children's lifespan four times. And that is wow. something that is just mm -hmm. not acceptable. It is not acceptable. We are, no matter how you slice it, in the top 10 richest countries in the world in the United States. Mm -hmm. And there is no excuse that our children's lifespan should be decreasing. And that's what we're trying to fight. Yeah. Yes, absolutely amazing. I know how shocked I was to hear several years ago that for the first time in recent history, the life expectancy of our children is actually shorter than than the parents' life expectancy. And that's that's just amazing and horrifying and, and awful. And and I'm so appreciative that that's part of your mission is to turn that around. And uh, of course it is ours too. And I love what you're saying about, we, we all need to get together and, and amplify our voices. And together there's so many different aspects, so many different, uh, angles so many different opportunities to to speak to people in in all the different settings so uh if if i may for for ourselves our our part we did that health our part is to bring interpersonal communications and relationship skills to the table so so that we can add those kinds of skills to the messaging of folks like yourselves so that together with the resources with the the communication skills we can in fact move the needles because for me one of the the really sad things is that uh, whole food plant-based movement has been around 75 years and the vegan movement even longer yet uh, maybe at best two percent of the world maybe three or five percent of the world is has embraced being vegan and way fewer people have embraced the whole food plant-based for health lifestyle and it's just just amazing to me that after 75 years we haven't done better so so i'm so so happy to be joining with with you both and with everybody else who is on this mission to to move the needle so thank you for that yeah likewise yeah. thank you and so uh we have a couple comments here so from the vegan mentor who we happen to know is linda middlesworth hey, hey, linda. Um, a great program ladies she's a fan uh we also have a comment here from rachel uh who's a who's a teacher hey rachel nice <laughs> <laughs> to see you well wonderful so so you do have fans and and i know many many more who who aren't able to join us live who i'm sure will be watching this video later um and everybody who's who's with us please post your questions uh, so that we can address them this is a an open conversation and we we do welcome your questions um so let me ask uh can you comment on what's going on with Mayor Adams in New York City? I know he's put together some initiatives in schools. Sure. Take that yeah. One? So from what I can from from what I know, he has made it so that there are at least one day a week where there are plant based or vegan meals um, available to I believe all schools in New York City, um, and. So now there's definitely options. 
for yeah for and from schools? what i understand actually he's also expanding it into hospitals okay he's very assertive and and uh dynamic in what he's doing and we're so so grateful you know we're in illinois so i actually have fairly close contact with some colleagues out in new york who are helping with that movement thank goodness um amy hamlin from Coalition for Healthy School Food is out there and really promoting that and doing everything she can to support what he's working with. By, um, I'm going to say it's a ripple effect somehow here in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Illinois is the first state to put in a law that says for the entire state, children in the public school system or children who are in any school that receive the National School Lunch Program by law have access will be given a plant-based lunch with prior request that will be starting just next month august so we're actually working with um amy hamlin from the coalition for healthy school food and with uh audrey sanchez who's from the organization organization balanced.org to start promoting that message to start um making it more well-known among parents that they have the option to ask for a plant-based lunch for their children and that it will be provided. One of the challenges that we're noticing is the law was written in a kind of a vague way. So it just says children can have a plant-based lunch with prior requests. That's almost all 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 it says. That's the amendment that was added. So there's no definition for what is plant-based lunch. And there's no definition of prior request. So we're working to try and get that figured out. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be doing webinars and um, awareness campaign and uptake campaign in the coming several years. So pretty exciting. Wow. That that, that is awesome. And and yes, that is also very vague. So I I have so many questions about this. Oh, yeah, right. So, right. So prior request, how, how is that like, well, two years prior or is it like yeah. two weeks prior We're or wonder, beginning right? of the school year or like the week of like, who knows? Yeah. And it's probably because it's a state level law. I can only imagine it could very easily be different in every school district. Yeah. The definition could vary unless somebody gets on top of that pretty quickly and hammers it out, makes it a flat definition. What does plant-based mean? Does that mean black bean burgers with cheese? Black bean burgers made with chicken broth to cook the beans? You know, what what does plant-based mean is another question. Will will a child who requests a plant-based lunch also have to take a carton of cow's milk? Because that's very common. Will soy milk be available to these children? That remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, there's so much to it. And and I really want to make sure that we celebrate the fact that even the conversation has been put on the table. So that is a huge change. And certainly, uh, yeah, so then that opens up all these challenges. And, and I'm so glad to have have organizations like yours ready to step up and 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 promote and and clear up those details and and advocate for for 
the right options and for the healthiest. And I I suspect this is just the beginning of a of a long process. So not only getting defining those, but I'm I expect it will move along the waves of of tightening it and improving those guidelines and processes. And that's such a huge undertaking. I'm I'm so glad to hear that that you're uh, both involved with with moving that along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it also opens up opportunity for parents to get involved with the schools. I know that, you know, with the plant-based ambassadors, your group is always looking for opportunities to connect and, you know, just sort of ooch the message along, get it out there, right? So in a case where you have a school setting that is actually like really trying to implement plant-based foods, the plant-based ambassador might be able to find an opportunity to make a difference within the school environment. Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult to make a direct approach, a direct hit in the school lunch program that is yeah. carefully controlled by the USDA, right? But you can make a difference in the school food environment. So maybe if you have a child and you notice the teacher gives out Skittles as rewards, mm -hmm or you notice that there are vending machines and the vending machines have energy drinks or chips or stuff like that. Or if you notice that during class parties, it's always mm -hmm. chocolates and Little Debbie's or whatever, hostess cakes, depending upon what part of the country you're in. Um, maybe that's a way that an ambassador could, you know, get in, you know, I'm gonna say through the back door and say, yeah. You know, rather than give Skittles to the four-year-olds or the six-year-olds as as rewards for getting their spelling tests done or for sitting quietly, how about we give them, hey, you know, cuties, mandarin oranges, or we mm -hmm. give them a small bunch of grapes, or we give them raisins, or we give them pumpkin seeds, or we give them whatever, you know, is the least offensive common denominator based on allergies and what people can tolerate. Yeah. Um, and have start having the conversations with the school teacher, the classroom teachers, about how to change the the environment. That would be a great opening for an ambassador to take. Yeah, and I also have heard of some school districts. Um, they don't have the the free lunch that the school provides, so parents are in charge of signing up and on be, being on a rotation to bring in lunch for the kids. And it's a lot of fast food and places that are don't have the healthiest options. Um, so if you happen to be a parent of a child in a school that with that situation, don't go for the fast food, go for healthier options. And yes, for like the school snacks and um, extracurricular activities, bring healthier options for that as well. Mm -hmm. that, that's incredible. So, so, so many ideas. I, I mean, my mind's just, just <laughs> going with all, all this. I mean, uh, having the resources to encourage parents. So what would be some some good recipes that, you know, if it's somebody's turn to bring in food and of course they, they're probably limited on, on time to prepare it and, and budgeting and everything else, uh, to have these kinds of recipes uh, available and to, to encourage the parents when it's their turn or to, to, to find those resources, so many opportunities and so much to be done here. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
what I have heard of, uh, this is kind of funny story. There's a school district, I'm gonna say about a half hour, 45 minutes south of where we are. One of the most affluent, if not the most affluent neighborhood in the Midwest, mm -hmm. right? Just north of Chicago. That school district has no children because it's so affluent. There are no children who qualify for the federal school lunch program. Every all the this is like a town full of mini mansions, right? It's it there's that's how it is. And in that town, the parents voted for it because there's no cafeterias, there's no school cooking facilities. The parents voted to have a rolling menu of fast food brought in. Mm -hmm. Right. So every day the children are getting McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you name it. They're getting it right. It's not so much that the parents and I, I would be surprised, actually, if the parents were allowed to cook and bring in for the children because yeah. there's health code laws and, you know, requirements around how you um, keeping keeping food cold or keeping food hot at particular temperatures to um, make sure people don't get sick, but at the same time, you can bring in fast food every day and not worried about the illness that's getting promoted that way. That's a whole different kind of dilemma. But um, so it's not so much that we would recommend recipes for parents to cook and bring in. Yeah. Most often it's going to be packaged foods that would be allowed anyway, or foods that come from a certified commercial kitchen that would come well, Right. So so these parents could contract with with a whole food plant based kitchen to to cater to meals. And, right. And, yeah. Right. Exactly. Wow. And it doesn't even have to be a necessarily a whole food plant based kitchen. If you've got that much money and you can pay people to make whatever you want, have them make something healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. Have them make something that is whole food plant based, or at least three quarters whole food plant based. At least, right? Give me eight percent. Right. I'd be happy. You know. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. It'll do the children a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something about health codes and and how those health codes may may relate to to. Uh, refrigeration or whatever and it's just so so mind-boggling that health codes just totally ignore the real health the the uh yeah, yeah. the the childhood obesity the uh all the the uh antibiotics and growth hormones and 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 everything that's in our food um and and right along those lines of course we have a comment here from from Linda, the vegan mentor, yeah. about uh, about milk, uh, and and the, and just just mind boggling. I guess the history. There's such deep history with the milk industry and the agriculture department uh, stepping in to save the industry and going. Probably some of it, uh, as I understand it, goes way back to the Great Depression where the uh, agriculture department was was set up to to save the farmers and and now that now that the uh, the farmer is almost extinct uh, and it's big, big business and big corporations and big money interests um, every everything has changed from that and and yeah so yeah. To answer Linda's question, Linda, I wish we knew. Yeah. That's a tough, <laughs> I tough wish one. we had an answer to how do you 
you know, untie the knot that has milk so deeply embedded in our school system. There, you know, there is a young woman out in um, California. I think she's in Los Angeles, who is actually trying to sue her school district, I believe, because she wanted to do a, a project to promote plant-based milk in her school. You've, it looks like you've heard of this one, right? Um, well, she's she's suing her school because she wanted to do this project to promote plant-based milk in her school. And it, like for credit, right? It was going to be a, a school project. And she brought up the idea, she proposed it, and she was told that she would not be allowed to do that unless she included dairy milk also. And she wound up uh, pushing back against that. I do believe PCRM is involved in helping support her effort for freedom of speech and to not have her rights imposed upon and told that she has to speak on something that clearly gets enough advertising in the course of a day in a school, clearly, yeah. right? So yeah, how yeah. do we disentangle that? How do we untie that knot? Uh, it's gonna take legal action. It's mm -hmm. gonna take people standing up and refusing and you know just fighting back in general. Yeah, yeah, and it take it, it will take a lot of that, and and um, certainly you you brought up PCRM Physicians uh, Committee for Responsible Medicine, headed up by Dr. Barnard, and they're doing such amazing work. And um, I was wondering uh, if you've seen anything on. I know one time uh, PCRM sued the federal government for on the food plate because, from what I understand, at one point. The food plate was designed a certain way by by nutritionists and so forth, and and by the time it got passed, all the lobbyists and actually got written into law, it was shifted to look so different. Uh, are you familiar with that at all? I'm not familiar with that. What I do know about the food plate, of course, we used to have the pyramid, right, mm -hmm. which was dev right. devilishly hard to decipher, right. And PCRM actually designed another what we what now looks okay. It, they designed a plate, right? The power plate, it's called, and it has fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes. I believe is what's on it. There is no milk on it. There's no cheese on it. No dairy component. So it's a it's a plate cut in quadrants, right? And then there's a circle for water, I believe is what the, the beverage would be. They presented that to the federal government. The federal government was like, eh, we can't, no, nope, we push back. But the plate that they came out with called my plate looks very, very much like the PCRM power plate, except that they have milk as the beverage. Yeah. That's... Well, um, so here's a comment I'd like to share here. Um, Support Raven Cores. Um, this is the current bill being considered in the House for offering soy milk in schools. Are you familiar with that? I have. Um, I know that there there is a bill up for offering soy milk. Um, I certainly hope it gets passed. I'm not familiar with Ravencore, but thanks a lot, Rachel. We will look into that. Excellent. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they're doing some really important work there. Yeah. 
Well, um, so uh, do you have, uh, what am I trying to ask here? What, what are your initiatives? What, what are you, you most focused on in, in the upcoming times? And, and probably a better question is how can people support your initiatives? Wow. <laughs> just uh, yeah, there's a lot going on thankfully i'm super grateful be, to be able to say um you know as president and ceo of this organization i get to spend oh easily 10 12 hours a day <laughs> working on this um you know literally it wakes me up in the morning and it puts me to bed at night and you know i run all day on it so it's great um initiatives we are about to start working with a school here in Wisconsin. It's a bilingual Spanish English school of the arts called, uh, well, I won't, I won't call the name of it just yet until it's all up and running. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, we'll be working with a fifth grade and going in once a month and teaching the kids about whole food plant-based eating. And at the same time, the teacher that classroom will provide a healthy snack for the children three times a week. The healthy snack is a whole food. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I got it. Thanks, Rachel. Um, so at the same time, the, the classroom teacher will provide a whole food plant-based snack for these kids, which is wonderful because a lot of these kids are actually living in food with food insecurity. You know, there's 78 million children in the country and 12 million is the ballpark guesstimate are living with food insecurity. And so this school is one of those that has high rates of food insecure children. So three times a week, they will get, you know, a whole grain, beans, rice, like oatmeal. Yeah, yeah, fruits, vegetables, and it could be a cooked meal where we will be providing them with an instant pot and the means to cook the food, the, the supplies. And the kids will actually get a meal. So that's one that one that's coming up where we're really looking forward to. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also doing a lot of traveling between now and the end of the year, doing a lot of uh, in-person speaking engagements. So I have one coming up this coming weekend in about seven days in Cleveland, where I'll be speaking with Dr. Milton Mills. Um, Dr. Baxter Montgomery and Dr. T. Colin Campbell, as well as a woman who is local there in Cleveland, Dr. Ruff. I can't remember her first name. I want to say it's, uh, I don't want to miss Cole. I don't want to call her the wrong name, but it's Dr. Ruff. Uh, and it will be an event all about whole food plant-based eating, in particular for African-Americans and how to um, revise, re let's call it transform our health picture in this country. Um, which is going to be a powerful event. I'll also be speaking at the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America, talking about the importance of plant-based food for mitigating inflammation and, um, you know, just keeping children who have sickle cell disease healthier and mitigating their, their symptoms for the illness. Mm -hmm. So there is just a lot coming up um, as far as that goes. And at the same time, like I said, I'm a nurse. So working with nurses to start promoting this, nurses within ACLM, American College of Lifestyle Medicine. There are an awful lot of nurses and other healthcare professionals, but we don't speak out. We don't talk. We don't go and do public um, 
speaking, not even in libraries, not even at the local Boy Scouts. You know, we yeah. don't we don't talk. So I want to encourage people to share the message more, and particularly how it refers and and makes a difference for children, because. Honestly, you probably heard this too, Peter, that in January, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with their first ever guidance on childhood ob obesity. I don't know if you or your, your group has heard about that, but the idea that we should watch children basically and maybe say something here and there about less screen time or low fat dairy or you know, chicken without skin, you know, skinless, boneless, baked, you know, stuff, lower fat diets, okay, until they get to be 12 years old. And if they're, if they are diagnosed as obese by the time they're 12, that's at the 95th percentile of weight for height, then we can offer them weight loss medications. And if they're still at which you, they probably would be mm -hmm. by the time they're 13, if they're still at the 95th percentile, we can offer them bariatric surgery. This should not be happening. What are we no. doing? It shouldn't, and, and it it wasn't. I mean, to have 20% of, of children be obese or some number close to that is, is it's pathetic. It's it's criminal. It's it it certainly hasn't been like this in the past, and and it's really quite obvious what's different. What's different in the world today is is the food. It's it's the fast food. Uh, you know, I know we were talking talking about uh, Dr. Barnard uh, in his book uh, the Cheese Trap. He he. Uh, he points out that obesity really started with uh, when pizza got to be very popular mm. and all the cheese with pizza. So he, his research has, has correlated a, a huge increase in obesity with the advent of pizzas. Um, yeah, I, we have a couple comments I'd like to share. Uh, yeah, so, so I clicked on this by mistake before, but Rachel says that, um, uh, the the student group that she was talking about they're uh, they're, they're from Portland, yeah. Oregon, I suppose. Uh, and and uh, certainly Rachel, people I would love to connect with, and and if you're in contact with them, certainly would love to present their voice on our platform. So uh, it's so nice to know that they're doing it, and and I I salute them and honor them for for the work they're doing, and and. That's just amazing. Children, children have 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 a lot of common sense in these things. I I think they I think for them it would resonate. And and uh, you know maybe you, you you ladies can speak to that for a second here of of how you're finding children to be receptive. So when with all the stuff that they're being presented and and you know this that can't possibly really be resonating with them all all the. Uh, all the ill health they have to be seeing that are they i yeah we've we've mentioned that in some of our activities and classes that we've done at the local boys boys and girls club a lot of the children are aware of their family members loved ones having health issues and maybe not realizing there's a connection to food um 
but you'd be surprised at the number of kids who a lot of them have not tried the foods that we're presenting at these various cooking classes that we've done, but they all love it and they are excited about it. Um, they want to come back and try things two or three times. And we, we had a salad bar recently. And I mean, most kids probably, you most parents might assume that kids aren't going to be too thrilled about a salad bar. But they, like, they came back two, three times and they had a blast. So it's just like assuming that they don't or won't eat certain foods um, is not, doesn't need to be the case. Um, a lot of kids are interested in it. And I think if they started to see the health connections between food and what they eat and maybe their health and their family's health, um, I mean, kids might not be as concerned about health issues, but they're probably concerned about their parents and grandparents and seeing what they're going through. And if they feel like they can be a help and keep their parents and grandparents healthy, then I think that would maybe get them invested and interested in eating healthier themselves. Yeah. I think too, um, you know, of, of the experience we've had working with children directly, and this is, our project is really only, only in its second year, mm -hmm. right? So we haven't had massive, massive numbers, but what we've been able to see is we're mostly working in actually exclusively working in lower income, lower socioeconomic status neighborhoods. They are primarily African-American and Spanish speaking kids. They are heavily marketed to mm -hmm. by the worst, to, I'll say marketed to, to take on the worst possible eating habits. Right. So they get heavily marketed to by Wendy's and McDonald's and Domino's and Pizza Hut and all of these kind of foods. You know, um, one of the locations we work in, the kids would bring in bags. OK, this is the size of my head. The bags are bigger than the size of my head. Right. Of Takis, yeah. these chips. Right. These corn kind of chips that come in amazing, brilliant blue, red colors. Amazing. Yeah. Like where where do you get those colors? Um and the kids are literally, they found that these, this, this particular brand of savory snack is like addictive. The kids want to eat it. The kids would come in with bags this big every day and walk around all day long eating this stuff, right? You can't even call it food. This is something, this is a habit that we have to break and to make the connection for the kids. Okay. Eating this all day can result in you feeling sick, not, you know, you're, it, it's, this is not healthy. What's going to make you feel better? What's going to make you have more energy? What's going to make you less crabby, less anxious, more um, able to focus? What's yeah. going to do that for you are, you know, tomatoes and bell peppers and lettuce and black beans and rice and, you know, hummus, things like that. So that's, that's a lot what we try to focus on when we're talking with the kids. 
Absolutely. And I, I'm sure you're all, you're both very familiar with, with the concepts of, of how most food companies actually have engineers on staff whose job is nothing but to figure out the formulation of salt, sugar, and oil to make, to make food addictive and, and, so you can't just eat one. So, right. so that th those kids just have to keep eating. Um, I have. I'd like to share this comment here from somebody on Facebook, uh, and he's talking about. He says he is a native. So I assume uh, he's he's referring to being a Native American uh, origin. And I I've heard before about how terrible the food the food situation is uh, is for for uh, people of native descent and especially on reservations and and things like that and um, yeah it's how do we get education and how do we help change that and I I wish I knew who you were I, you just show up as Facebook user but if there's anything we can do to to help you uh, educate and spread the word and, and about healthy eating and i know our guests would they have so much information that that would apply and of course native people but especially the children i mean i suppose the children are probably uh the the most neglected the most disempowered uh of of people in any culture in terms of what they get to choose to eat Right. So I totally agree with this comment. Facebook user, whoever you are, please um, reach out to us directly. Uh, we'll have, you know, Peter, if we can put up our contact information at the end. Absolutely. If you want to put it up right now, um, you can yeah. email, us, email us at six, that's the number six, mseeds at pbnm.org we would love to speak with you yeah let me let me find find it um i know i have it here uh, okay i want to give peter great um respect and honor for doing this uh yeah this platform is really good good job peter well thank you thank you thank you it's it's such an honor such a pleasure to be doing this i you know i i get to meet people like yourself and yourselves and and so many other amazing people from all aspects of of the the vegan and plant-based communities and and I'm so excited and so honored to be able to be part of this uh, change movement. We we are out to change the world, and That's and right. it must happen. Um, That's right. Absolutely. It must happen. It's from so many perspectives: the, our health, the climate, uh, animal compassion, the animal suffering. It's just it's it's. And we, what we do in this country affects the rest of the world. That is the basis of our promise. Yeah. You know, so I want to go back to what the that Facebook user posted. In, okay. in communities where it is predominantly people of color, and I will add lower income. Um, thank you for putting that back up. The quality of food is absolutely like an, it's an existential threat, you know, to reuse that well-used phrase these days. It is the quality of the food system that makes a difference for the people. So when we start from very, very young, and even when the 
woman is pregnant, she's eating the same poor quality, low nutrient density, high calorie packed foods. We're already starting to chisel away at the child's mm -hmm. human potential. We're already starting to rob them before they're born. And it's been going on for generations, right? So a child is born into a community like that. You know, we like to, as the parents, you know, you look down at the baby and you're beaming and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. And in very short order, we start, can I, can I just be really straight? Yes. We start robbing them. We start, we start harming them. You know, the idea that we teach our children to brush your teeth, you you know, wash your face, you go to bed early, you don't play in traffic, you put on your seatbelt, mm -hmm. you watch out for strangers, you don't pick up sharp objects, you don't, all that is designed, right, to keep the child healthy and safe and make it to adulthood. Ultimately to reproduce, to, per, to further our genetic line. That's really what it's all about, right? It's a big um, natural law. But what we have begun doing and not realizing that we're doing is feeding our kids poison from before they're born. So we are actually killing off our next generations, which is against natural law. And in those lower income or, or you know, communities of color in particular that are really hugely beset with social challenges, it's even worse because they're marketed to, to eat this way. And that's what's set up and available for them to eat. In some of these, um, I was reading actually not long ago, in some of the um, communities where Native Americans, indigenous people find themselves, especially out West, there might not be a grocery store or there might only be two grocery stores in a space, a geographic location that's as big as a state of Virginia. Yeah. How do people live like that? right? There's only a couple things you can get from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> you can get Slim Jims and you can get Slurpees and you can get bags of chips and you can get dinty more canned stuff, which is only going to cause you problems further down the line. And the same thing happens in the inner cities, right? If, they're, if the closest store is a gas station and what's there is hot dogs on a roller, or taco, tacos on a roller, right? It's the same thing. We are, we are. Um, it's a most hideous, a hideous game mm -hmm. that that we're engaged in when we're dealing with people's health and their ability to even just maintain, achieve their own human potential. Is the only way I can put it. Yes, it's brutal. It is brutal. It is it is criminal. I I think it, if if we were to redefine our values and our laws, I think it would be criminal. And for me, probably right there at the top of it all, and it just it just really, really disturbs me to no end is watching the Girl Scouts and the Girl Scout cookies. I mean, how how is it that one of our leading organizations that that sets that has so many important values about about being of service and about learning and and so many really great values but yet they they're out there with 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 the awfully unhealthy sugar sugar-based products that have been linked in so many thousands of scientific studies they're linked to 
to chronic diseases and to obesity and and yet that's how that that's what they do is is the girl scout cookie drive i so would love to see them change that yeah, yeah. and the boy scouts do the popcorn yeah, drive right yeah. yeah 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 let, let me see we have a couple other comments sure. uh, you know back to uh our facebook user anonymous uh native foods are some of the healthiest on the planet so wow so what what a beautiful thing for for native people to take the lead on on bringing back the native foods the the indigenous the native the 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 real foods that that we thrive on and and our bodies really need yeah and and yes it's cheap and easy and and probably and that's been one of the arguments of of not eating healthy is that it's expensive but the fact is that nothing's really cheaper than than uh, a salad and and beans and rice and and legumes and yeah and if you're going for the so-called vegan or plant-based processed foods that you can use as an alternative then those might be more expensive but yeah if you go back to the native foods and the individual like fruits vegetables um, grains and beans that is not expensive right the only it doesn't challenge. have to be yeah yeah your big challenge is can you get to it if i have to take yeah. a, a taxi and prepare you know it too. 20 miles to get to a grocery store or something well yeah that's that's gonna that's yeah. gonna make it more challenging for some sure. people may have re challenging resources for preparing some of that food mm. so yeah those, those yeah are definitely too. i agree the foods that we and I'm going to say all of our ancestors, mm -hmm. the foods that our ancestors ate were actually the foods that we should still be eating. Yes. But like you said, cheap, quick, and easy is a tactic that's that we're marketed with, right? Convenience is a commodity. We are told that we don't have enough time. It needs to be fast. Let me just add water and put it in the microwave. That ought to be fine, right? Yeah. That ought to be great. But it, that is really what's causing us trouble in the long and short run yes well we have maynard clark is with us and he's posted numerous comments here All right, let's too, see. Many, too, too many for me to, to read and bring up i'm sorry about that but um i'd like to find um well let's let's see how about if we read this one oh this covers <laughs> covers us up completely okay all right, anybody in Scottsdale ought to go see that. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for participating and for all, all the these wonderful comments, uh, Maynard. Um, uh, and Linda with us again. Oh, she's saying she's going to leave us and, and watch this on YouTube and and Thank you, and thank you for all you do, uh, Linda. You do so many wonderful things, um, and and uh, bye, Linda and uh, Maynard. Um, have a plan, Ambassador National Fruits and and Veggie Month. That's those are the things he's he he was uh, posting about. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, well, we're, we're, uh, we have about less than 10 minutes here. Uh, what, um, 
what are some of the conversation starters that that you would have an ambassador engage with? So as uh, uh, you know, let's say we're as ambassadors, we're we're having a conversations. We're out to dinner with people who aren't plan based, and um, what should we listen for? And what would be the opportunities? Where can we steer the conversation about? Uh, related to your work and to children. So what should we be listening to and talking about? Um, you want to take that one? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there's lots of different roads you can go by uh, with that. One, probably the most subtle, although not the most popular. Although, however, I'll say it's probably the most common is not to say anything yeah just you order what you order you're out to dinner you have what you have on your plate and you just eat that and you be the picture of health you be um you be the change mm -hmm. that you want to see right literally be that one now and i'll tell you I, that is not my usual mo <laughs> I will frequently say <laughs> it's got to be good. Carrie is more the the gentle yeah, you type. Know, I've, yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. It's easier sometimes, depending on who you're out to eat with, to have some of those conversations. Leading by example is a great way to go. Mm. However, <laughs> you could be a sledgehammer <laughs> like me. <laughs> that works too. That happens, right? I, I, I may or may not be a sledgehammer. So, um, Sometimes I'll just say, you know, gosh, this is such a great salad. You know, you, I, you, I wish you could have some or have you, you know, over dinner is probably the worst time, honestly, mm -hmm. to have these kind of conversations. I'll be honest because people are interested in eating what they're eating. There's like this romantic relationship with what's on their plate, right? People are in love with whatever they ordered. <laughs> so I, doing it over dinner is probably like a really bad choice. But one thing, here's one thing that you, you might find useful. And we tend to work with kids and parents, grandparents to move these conversations along, right? Bring awareness. So we actually created a deck of conversation starter cards that really aren't focused on food at all. They're just how to have a conversation over a dinner table. So children these days, people in general, adults also, very often we're focused on our phones. We're looking at our, you know, we're scrolling through Facebook or we're looking at Instagram or we're looking up something, right? We're looking and there's no conversation that happens at the dinner table or breakfast. So we don't know how to interact with each other over food, right? So we created a deck of cards called Conversation Sprouters that you could literally pull any card out of the deck. There's no surprises. There's no political agenda. There's no nothing. They're just benign cards. Like, what are you grateful for? Or um, tell us about a time you had a dream and it came true or something, right? Tell us about something you're afraid of. Tell us, you know, whatever the card says, the child can choose the card, the grandparents, whoever's there at the table, choose the card. And they just ask these questions and inspire conversation, have real conversation. And once you find that you're actually having a relationship with a person, <laughs> maybe you could go into conversations about the environment or mm -hmm. what you've heard about water usage um, or what you've heard about um, 
why the rainforest is being set on fire or, you know, different things like that, you know, rather than going full frontal attack, even however gently you can put that. Yeah. People very yeah. often will take it and go on the defensive. Right. So, so this is, this is a wonderful conversation that, that we just had in the past couple minutes that you've presented. And I'm afraid that I, I misrepresented the question I really intended. So the, the, <laughs> the concept of being at, at a dinner table was, was not, was not the main point. If we're, I just use that as an example. But if I overhear somebody say something like, boy, I just can't believe what I see about children, about childhood obesity, about about noticing how little girls are maturing faster. What what are some of some of the potential conversation starters where I overhear somebody that that gives me a cue as to, you know, here I can I can chime in, I can come in and and maybe direct this conversation towards uh, towards a plan-based solution mm -hmm. to to so they're kind of aware of it. How do I gently steer the conversation? That's um, it's kind of more where you want to go. Okay. That, yeah. So what are some of those cues that that I could be listening for? Uh, and and then what are some of the directions that I would take that conversation in? Right. Um, well, you want to answer that one, or I mean, I guess just yeah, looking for maybe little little connections that people make to the their food or comments that they make about either weather or the environment or their health, um, and finding ways to not be accusatory <laughs> or, on um, you know, on the defensive, but maybe making those connections for them if, if they don't see it themselves, mm -hmm. um, making the connection between the environment and what they're eating and maybe their health and what they're eating. Um, just, I guess, watching for those. Yeah. And I guess, it, you know, once you find the cue, yeah. right? let's say it's something you were saying, you hear people talking about childhood obesity or something like that, you know, to have some statistics that you can readily yeah. dazzle people with <laughs> is helpful, yeah. you know, because otherwise it looks like your opinion or you made that up mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah, whatever. But if you can actually say something like there's 14.4 million children right now diagnosed with obesity and there's probably another equal number who are diagnosed with just plain overweight and together those children are going to grow up and develop diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and they're going to feed into these 655,000 people per year who die of a heart attack. You know, there's yeah. ways that we could change that and then turn around and walk away. <laughs> That's the end. Right. And if the person just goes, they, I mean, if you're standing in a grocery store having that conversation, that would be something, right? You never met the person. Um, but if, they, you know, if, if the person asks more or says, you know, well, I don't know anything about that. What are you talking about? Have you what? 60, 655,000 people? Yeah, more people per year than died in the COVID pandemic, mm -hmm. where it was absolute imperative that they figured out a vaccine to manage that. Yes. However... The same, more than that number of people die every year of heart disease, and we're not doing a damn thing to yes. stop that. Yeah. 
So well, I find yes. having statistics um, to, to combat um, lack of understanding is helpful. Mm -hmm. Yes. So do you have, I know you have some wonderful handouts. Uh, do you have, do you have statistics on one of your handouts about about children and childhood disease and I think on a couple of them yeah we, we might, do yeah. we do yeah. actually yes yeah well I would love to invite you to post that so so our public Facebook group would be the uh, vegan and whole food plant based ambassadors on Facebook uh, please please share those there and everybody watching and listening later uh, please check these out because yes the the statistics the information is what we need to to be <clears throat> to be sharing because so many people uh, do believe statistics and 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 that's a that that's a great conversation starter and and a good place to move it forward. Um, with that, uh, I'd like to invite you for some final thoughts. We are running out of time, and I will post Ellen, who's uh, expressing her appreciation for. Hey, Ellen! <laughs> I know that lady. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, thank Welcome, you, Ellen. Ellen. Thank you for everything you're doing as well. Thank you. All right, so any final thoughts uh, that you'd like to share before we sign off? You know, I think, I think I've, I've spoken a lot. Yeah. Um, We've spoken a lot. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, if anything, just, you know, when, you, when you're inviting people over your house or you have an opportunity to share a meal with people, just as far as possible with grace mm -hmm. and kindness, and compassion, of course, bring a plant-based dish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you don't even have to say, oh, it's vegan. Just don't even. Just bring it, put it on the table with the rest mm -hmm. of the stuff, and they'll eat it or they won't eat it, right? Yeah. And if they ask what it is, say it's, uh, you know, cashew cheese or whatever you want to say, yeah. right? Definitely let people know if it's an allergen. <laughs> but we don't have yes. to wear our veganism or our whole food plant-basedness on our sleeve or like it's a chip, knock mm -hmm. it off, I dare you. You know, just I'm, I'm sharing a dish that's one of my favorites. I hope you like it. Yeah. And when it comes to kids, just um, giving them the opportunity to try new things and don't be attached to whether they're going to like it or even try it. Mm. Um, maybe it, it'll, it might take a, a, a lot of different times for them to be introduced to a certain food for them to actually taste it, but just give them opportunities to try new things. Um, and eventually mm -hmm. they'll, it'll catch on. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll add to that. One more thing is just encourage your children to be brave Yes. and try new things. Just be brave and be grateful that they even like looked at it. They sniffed it. Sometimes we just ask them, okay, just lick it. Just one little lick. Smell <laughs> <laughs> it. Hold yeah, it. Yeah. That's all we ask. And then we thank them for being brave. And yeah, you can spit it out if you want to. Yeah, That's maybe fine. next time they'll try it. Yeah. Maybe the next time they'll like it. And maybe then they'll ask their parents for more. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, with that, thank you both. Uh, Meryl and Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to next time. And please, uh, everybody, check out the Facebook group and post and and that, and look for for the documents that will be uploaded there uh, for uh, 
for six million seeds and uh, let us know what else we can do and how together we can work to to change the world uh, one one seed at a time one child at a time one one person at a time so thank you everybody uh, bye for now yeah thanks bye bye, -bye.